Ride, ride, ride. Ride, ride, ride. What is that? <laughs> what is that from? Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Sorry, after listening to his audio book, every time I hear a ride, I just can't help but think yeah. of him. Yep. The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Table Talk. My name's Luke. I'm at the table with Ori and Dave. Good evening. Hey, what's up guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, what's news in your life? I would say just things are just looking up and up, to be honest. Up and up, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> He's got a haircut, he's looking sharp. <laughs> oh, I, I wish you could see him. Like, literally, he walked in tonight and even though it was nighttime when, when he came in, as he approached the light of the doorway, I, I was just taken aback by how neat the man looks. Oh, that's amazing. Stop it, guys, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and enough. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we could make you blush. <laughs> no, I'm just um, liking the new lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Well, finally, I can... Come, yeah, come to come to table talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so something I want to make it more regular. So yeah, it's good. Great back, mm. mate. Mm. So good. Mm. Yeah. Um, what's news for me? Not much. Just the normal stuff. Yeah, working on assignments. Yep. It's that side of the term now, so it's everything's hotting up. Mm-hmm. Next week we have our labs. That'll be fun. Mm. Go and break some stuff. <laughs> Go break. Some. That is always good. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Get to break all sorts of samples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, no, that's cool. I, I'm my life is, yeah, much the same, pretty normal. Um, my I guess my highlight of the week is is a pretty simple one that uh, my, my my son Seth took his first ride without training wheels, and I, and I feel like a, a boss to, for teaching him to do that. So, yeah, no, yeah, so cool. Yeah. By the way, he was so excited to tell us about it tonight. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> that was so good. He was pretty stoked. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a momentous occasion though we can all remember that eh? yeah. like I, I know I can remember the first time I rode without training wheels it's like that moment it's like it's, it's analogous to like yeah. your graduation day or like <laughs> yeah. your wedding probably not that I will know anything about that yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 it'll be there it will be, it will be. It will be. We're, we're gonna cut that bit right yeah. <laughs> um, right yes of course we are right. yes Yes, I remember it because it was extremely traumatic. Because <laughs> the first time without training wheels was also the first major crash. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. I, I was going along and I had that moment of exhilaration of, yes, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And I, and I remember looking down at my feet pedaling and there being nothing supporting me. And I remember the amazing thought and looked up just in time to see a big gum tree. And I went, boom, straight into it. So I can relate to that. Wow, that's not the usual way you fall off a bike when you've just got off training wheels though at least you hit something oh yeah i, I there was no like trip and fall overbalancing thing no it was just like smack yeah, full speed boom, into a hard surface that is so you though hey <laughs> what not being aware of my surroundings yeah pretty much yeah and like you're not tripped up by the technicalities just more by the fact that you're a little bit clumsy <laughs> Uh, I, I can embrace that now I'm in my 30s So yeah, yeah I can Yeah huh. So before we get into Our topic for the night Our, our icebreaker question Is uh, What's one thing That we would Never guess about you Alright I'll go first um, Take a look at my skin colour Before I say this I'm a very 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 Small part Aboriginal 
Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. You wouldn't guess that looking at me, would you? I was going to say, <laughs> very white and with a, 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 reddish, a beard. reddish beard. Yeah, yeah. That, that just screams Crikey, indigenous. Mate. <laughs> yeah. So... Pretty good, I would, I would, have, so you you really are a brother from another mother. That's a stretch. Long shot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> How far back are we talking? Um, like one sixty fourth, or I don't know. I couldn't tell you the percentage. Okay. Um, I actually don't know how far back, but I know that my grandfather's sister, um, she she had a very distinct like Aboriginal kind of face. I don't want to be offensive in the way that I say that, but yeah, yeah like she had the, the very much Aboriginal nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it can't be too far further back than that. Yep. But yeah. So there you um, go. Have you ever like explored that in terms of like a bit more? Like have you met like with elders or like, no, you know, have you no. done, gone that far? No, no. Mm-hmm. no. One of my family members did a big family tree years ago, but I was a kid when I learned about that and... I couldn't care less about family trees at the time, so yeah. I've never really pursued it at all. Mm. Yeah, that's but interesting, anyway, though. Just interesting. That's yeah. me. Yeah, you're up. Or, oh, me? You're Any, or anyone? Oh, anyway. Oh, all right. I, mean, I, I can go. I mean, I don't. This may or may not be surprising, but I was a little bit of a naughty kid when I uh, growing up. Oh, yeah. that is that is surprising. <laughs> 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 no, like I, I think when I was younger, I was a bit of. I guess you know, boys will be boys. Like you just can be a bit of a handful. Like. Mm-hmm. I think, I think do, you, do you care to define naughty? Yeah, I was like, oh. can you give us an example of something <laughs> oh. that you did? Now oh. he's regretting it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I guess it'd be things like, oh, yes, I can remember this one story. Like, I was in church. It was um, just basically waiting for the offering to come. <laughs> and I was getting ready to put my money in. And I had this amazing idea. It's like, when I put my money in, I'm going to, like, just, like, smash down the offering and just <laughs> see how people respond. And <laughs> I did just that. And my... Mum was very embarrassed. My dad wasn't there at the time, but let's just say... Um, You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bit of you a... found out a later. Lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like four, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I used to get her to some antics like that, but... Yeah. It's not too then, bad, though, then honestly. I was, I was saved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was good, but that's at four. He didn't tell us, like, about where that scales up. Yeah. To, so, yeah. yeah. After show. How about you, Luke? Uh, for me What's your dark secret? <laughs> my dark secret is that as a teenager I started writing a sci-fi novel And I, at the time I was just I was a big reader I, I read so much stuff Like I, I would Like there were a few books that were, that were on my shelf Where like, I would go through like eight, nine, eight or nine hundred page books And uh, it was just like an insatiable thirst that I had at that point To the degree where like I would be neglecting my chores and stuff, and and Mum would be like, "Okay, I know reading and reading is a good thing, but you need to you need to dial it back because you know your room starts looking like no one lives there. So you know, come on." Yeah. And so yeah, because I was so fascinated by that, I I started to I'd always been interested in story in general, and um, I started writing a book actually when I was even younger than that, which is based on a story that my grandfather used to tell me, like bedtime stories that he used to tell me, and so I, I like developed a story around that, and I did a few, but then I sort of grew up and I thought, no, it's not cool anymore, <laughs> you know, and so I, I wanted a new idea, and I was really into sci-fi at the time, and so I started. I built a whole universe in my head and started writing a story about it. And it was... How long? How long was your story before you put it down? Oh, I I don't know. I I probably wrote, I don't know, 
a dozen chapters, maybe something okay. like wow. that. Wow, so, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, I mean, not not real long chapters, but yeah, yeah some, something like that. And it, it was just this this story about uh, not post apocalyptic, but like it was set like twenty fifty, tw- I don't know, twenty seventy, something like that. But further in the future, and where there had been in the past, there was this massive um, global collapse, and so wow. like all of the the security organizations had merged into this like massive cybersecurity. Uh, organization I guess you could say and so yeah anyway so that was like the basis of the this narrative that I built out but yeah okay. I was really into that mm. so. <laughs> and the really funny thing was based on what other books I was reading while I was writing my writing style changed so uh, as I read through like like years later I could see as I'm reading I'm like oh that's written in the style of this author and that's written in the style of this author mm. and sort of like I'm like writing in other people's voice as I'm writing which is horrible if you're looking at it as an actual novel but I find it interesting to look back on now and, and see like the, how the other people influenced me through their writing yeah anyway that's that's just one random thing about it. have you ever considered writing a book again like now that you're an adult um, I would if I had something that I was passionate enough about and was adequately unique for me to actually write and i haven't found mm. that as yet so, mm. but i would you will <laughs> you reckon yeah i reckon i yeah. can imagine that yeah. to be honest mm. yeah yeah I'll, and, and it'll have it'll have you know a great title graphic <laughs> yeah yeah i'll probably do design that before i write it <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah yeah, so, yeah cool yeah well on the science fiction trend <laughs> um tonight we're talking about the topic what isn't the mark of the beast? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this for a little while, um, as in talking about doing this episode for a few weeks. But um, the reason we started talking about this episode is because there's been some stuff going around about mark of the beast recently, you know, some connections to, you know, vaccines and other things that people are um, getting all apocalyptic about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we thought we'd have a chat about what what the Mark of the Beast is and isn't and mm-hmm. how that connects to the seal of God in particular. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well can, can I just give a massive spoiler alert right now? Sure. The COVID vaccine is not the Mark <laughs> of the Beast. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I don't think we really needed to explain that. I was going to say, hopefully that, w- that was an unnecessary spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no, look, I mean, honestly, though, there are people who are, are saying that. So yeah. um, why would people come to that conclusion? Well, I've often asked myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, I, I don't mean to, to belittle anybody who does have the, those beliefs and concerns. And, and obviously, I think that the you know, the pandemic isn't anything to be laughed at. It, it is, it, it's a, a real thing that's going on. And I think there's so, so many variables right that are that are in that and so i'm not um i'm not devaluing any of that or or dismissing any of it either Mm. but what i what i am saying is that i think a lot of people that are waiting for something to happen right they're looking forward for jesus to come back Mm. and if you don't have a firm understanding of what the bible does teach in regard to something then you're going to be looking for the prophecies in the newspapers mm. rather than in the, in the wrong place yeah mm. Mm. i like to just reinforce that i i, I like to because i like to assume the best in people mm. and i think it's a lot of it probably comes from the right place like mm. like you said yeah. they just have this longing for jesus to come mm. and when you see something so massive so global so far-reaching mm. yeah you, know, you just want to connect the dots any way you can yeah. so <laughs> it's just 
you know it's just you know it's just not a very big step to be like okay this must be the mark of the beast you yeah. know because it's like it, it it fits with that worldview of you know that very imminent return of jesus which i i believe we should have a very uh cognizant um sense of jesus soon return but it, yeah. we shouldn't be pulling things out of our hearts either so yeah yeah, yeah and but and this is what humans this is what god programmed us to do right we are designed to look for patterns mm. and so the nature of that means that sometimes we'll find patterns where there's none mm. right like we we want to find a pattern so bad that we, we end up finding a pattern that is actually randomness mm. yeah. i mean i'm gonna gather a lot of people already know what the bark of the beast is referring to um because uh, probably a lot of our listeners are christians and those that aren't probably have hung out around them so mm. um it's probably fairly well understood but let's have a look at the text anyway sure um just to see where this this title comes from mm-hmm. um and i mean t- to me one of the clues is in the title itself mm. um so I, f- I feel like that kind of already answers the question about the vaccine yeah um but yeah let's have a look so in revelation chapter 13 mm. we see um so revelation is is a, s- a series of visions that john had um and um throughout this um this i don't know whether series is the right word but i'm going to keep using it for now mm. throughout this series of of um scenes that john saw when he was in vision uh he, he encountered many uh symbols um and mm. some of those symbols were were um, objects, some of them were beasts, some of them were people um, and in Revelation 13 we see a, a series of beasts uh, being um, revealed mm. in the prophecy, right? And um, for anyone who's a fairly astute Bible reader, as soon as you read Revelation 13 at the top, you start thinking back to Daniel. Mm, yeah. um, there's some very, very clear cl- connections to Daniel, particularly chapter 7 um, in Revelation 13 but in the second half of the chapter, um, after after one of the beasts is uh, revealed, um, which is the beast from the sea, uh, a second beast is revealed in chap- uh, chapter 13, verse 11. It says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he, he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in, in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So first of all, we see the second beast is is really just a, a promotional beast, right? It's yeah. promoting the the first beast, the the beast that came out out of the sea, and calling people to worship the first beast. It's like the the ultimate wingman or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want I want to change the title in my Bible to that. <laughs> the ultimate wingman. Um, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the, on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he, is, uh, he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. So an image to which beast? The first beast. Yep, the beast from the sea, um, who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as uh, would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. So this is the mark now. Um, So the mark of the beast on the right hand and on the foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666, right? 
And so historically, there's been a lot of, you know, talk about, oh, the mark of the beast is 666, right? Mm. Um, which is not the case, right? It's, it's, not, it it's not a tattoo. It's not a, mm. you know, whatever. Barcode on your hand. Right. Yeah. And there's been a lot of stuff going around about this in the past and, and people have, you know, got all excited about this and probably some people still teach that that's what the mark of the beast mm. is. Uh, but certainly within my circles, um, that sort of thinking is is sort of long, long gone, you know? Like we've sort of matured past thinking of it like that and we've realized, no, no, no the mark of the beast has something to do with the beast itself, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and so a lot of this talk about the vaccine, you know, just so we can get that out of the way, uh, a lot of this talk about the vaccine has been in this sense of, oh, it's kind of being used to control who can buy and sell. Mm -hmm. And there's also some people that are saying, you know, there might be some sort of a chip involved. And so this whole that barcode thing that you were talking about earlier, right? Um, uh, so there's, there is a certain, as you were saying, Ori, there is a certain connection to what it says about the mark of the beast, right? Um, however... There are many things that you could say control what we can buy and sell, right? Mm. And there are many things in the world, not, not so much in our country, but all across the world that control what people can do and what people can't do, right? So we can't just say everything that's a mechanism of control must be the mark of the beast, right? Mm. Because the mark of the beast is the mark of mm. the beast, right? So it yeah. belongs to, or it is the it stamp of. Yeah, it, yeah. It indicates ownership from or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it has to be related to the beast, yeah. right? The beast power. Mm. And the beast uh, that came out of the earth and the image that the beast out of the earth created for the beast out of the sea, all yeah. of these things are all pointing back. They're all wingmen, to use your phrase, all right, yeah. for the, mark, the beast that came up out of the sea, right? Yeah. Mm. So... The mark of the beast has to be connected to the beast that came out of the sea. Mm -hmm. Has to be. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And the, uh, I guess to uh, start our uh, like to go back to the beginning of that flow of ideas, that means we have to identify who that is. Mm. Sure. So is, is that where, is? I don't want to stop you. Is that where, are you finished where you're headed, or do you want to talk about that, or you want to just assume that? I was knowledge? just covering a bit of background knowledge. Okay. Mm. Um, happy to name drop if you like. Yeah, I don't think we have time to do a whole study on. No, no, no that's that. what I mean. So like, <laughs> where basically, if we go back and look at that beast, the the qualities that are mentioned in that beast, uh, also like Dave was saying earlier, that you're talking about the um, links to the Book of Daniel. Um, that if we go back and have a look at what's being spoken of there, it makes it even clearer again that the this. Uh, beast that we're seeing rising up out, out of the water is pretty clearly the the church, right? The the Catholic Church or the medieval church that was the um, the controlling power, and then that power continues on, and as we see here, through to the end of time. But the difference is that we see this second beast coming up and directing power back to right. the, the first beast. Because of course there was that period where. We didn't read this because it was in the first part of the chapter. There yeah. was a deadly wound and, and there was a couple of references there to that wound being healed. Yes. Um, but there's a period of time, obviously, where the beast was wounded mm. and wasn't actually doing what you said it was doing, like that yes. persecution, etc., that the, the medieval church did yes. throughout those times. Mm. There's a long period of time where it wasn't actively doing that, right? And so the second beast is kind of in, is, is investing that power back in the first beast, if you like. Yes. Mm. I'd just like to point out here, like some of the characteristics of this mark... Um, which we are yet to identify. I think yeah. it's quite compelling how far-reaching this mark is and how attractive this mark could be, just on a, just on a superficial level, like it says here in verse 16, he calls us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, in a society and world where, we're, where we have a lot of challenges with inequality, a lot mm. of challenges with like food insecurity. This, this is something that seems to 
Um, and this is something I've never really seen it this way, but just reading it, like it seems like it could solve those problems, you know, mm. for, for you know, those major world problems that we have. And uh, so I think this gives me that sense already, even without even there's so much we, you know, depth into this, that this is a deceptive element to this. Like mm. this is something that seems attractive, seems like a good idea, mm. but it's it really the undertone of it is very deadly mm. um, as we are reading here. Mm. So I thought that was yeah interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think um, another thing that's interesting about um, the the the, the un- what when we try to understand what the mark of the beast is, is that the beast in the prophecy is a symbol, right? Yes, mm-hmm. it's a symbol for, as you said, Luke, the, the medieval church mm-hmm. and the system really that that because mm. I wouldn't, I'm not completely comfortable with labeling it as just that structure of the church right mm. it's the system of worship and the system of how that that leverage was u- utilized uh upon humanity that is the problem yeah. um the catholic church you know that rose out of rome mm. um historically fits the mark absolutely mm. but it's not a catholic problem yeah. right the, it's the, a human problem the, the beast power yeah mm. is is really just an extension of the sin problem from genesis chapter 3 mm-hmm. and it's just corporately collected all of that that mm. baggage of the sin problem We'd, and and um made it um it's like incorporated that if you like mm. into a would system would you say that it would be fairly in in which case would you say it's fairly safe to say that um, this is a manifestation of babylon uh, the beast or yeah. the mark of the beast? The beast. The beast yeah. itself? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Is Babylon... This, we're, we're uncovering many like layers <laughs> yeah, I know. We've got, we've rapidly got... without giving any evidence. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with that, sh- sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of to... background there. I don't know whether you want to dig any of that up though. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't necessarily know that we have time to go through it all but just so you can see where the train of thought is coming from yeah. uh, in the in the book of revelation talks you know talks a lot about this babylon city right this this uh, conglomeration of powers against god and as you read through there is the the temptation i guess you could say to identify that as oh that's a catholic church as well but when you look at it it really is much more global than that right it, it's coming back like you were saying to the sin problem which is why I, I linked it to this idea that it's actually the broader problem that sin brings and when sin brings that issue or that those problems that breaks that relationship that god designed for us to have with him right then it creates this structure it's a community a system but it is built on on the satan's principles not right. god's principles right yeah and the 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 amount of leverage that the particular system that the the book of revelation identifies that the roman catholic system yeah. the amount of leverage that um it uh sorry the amount that it leveraged that sinful condition throughout those dark ages mm. um, was unprecedented, right? Mm, yes. Like that was an incredibly powerful mm. system, mm. right? And so that's why um, the system itself was labeled. But but what you're saying is that the system was only a manifestation of what we all struggle with on a day-to-day level, yes. whether or not we claim to be Christians. Yes. Right? Yes, Yeah. exactly. I agree, definitely. Why was it powerful though? Why was it so intoxicating in terms of its power especially during those dark ages and and what what are the ingredients of of that power that um, that made it so so potent well i thought your observation previously was really interesting because i think that connects to your question now mm-hmm. so you said that the mark of the beast 
you could almost view it as somewhat attractive, mm. right? And and if we were to look at what it says about the mark of the beast, it says that, that they receive the mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, right? Mm. And a lot of people have interpreted that to mean you you either you either accept the mark of the beast willingly using your frontal lobe, mm. the forehead. Or you accept it by force, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you, you had to make the choice. And so you, you're doing it from, from actions mm-hmm. only, yeah. not necessarily, you're compelled to do it. It's not something you want to do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's the, those two levels, right? And I think it's the same with the, the way that the church, the, the, the medieval church uh, gained that power and that following, right? Mm-hmm. Some people bought into the idea for you know the their own desire for power and for mm. for um i don't know I'm, I'm i'm trying to summarize a medieval conglomerate which is massive mm. in, in this statement so i'm getting a little bit lost in my thoughts but but all of the things that made the system what it was those things were either attractive to people mm. or they were not mm. and they were just compelled to because they were forced to. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. And I think I think it's interesting that if if that's where the system got its power from, and that's also the way in which the mark is distributed, mm. um, that there's a connection there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't I think, think that's I'm, serendipitous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess this is probably going to play into what you're saying, but I think just I don't know if I'm answering it differently or I'm or, or I'm highlighting a different facet of what you're asking, or a. But I think the reason that it is compelling and attractive or at least it was is because of power and Mm. while there's a lot of other things going on i think the the power is naturally uh, humans are naturally attracted to power right we automatically want to have power control over what's going on around us over other people Mm. if we are not surrendered to god that will be a selfish ambition we will want the control for selfish means Mm. and in order to uh, have some, for someone to have power that means they must have that power over somebody else mm-hmm. and so they fall into the second category that you were talking about Dave so that those people that are then experiencing fear and compulsion and the, the coercion of their free will yep. and so uh, yeah basically in order for some people to have those desires gratified other people have to be un- under that heel of oppression Yeah. so yeah I, I think it's a, a what's the word I'm looking for it's a vicious cycle right so yep. for, for anybody to have the kind of power that they want without Christ leads to a lot of other people being oppressed. Yeah. And, might I say, those people that are being oppressed, it educates them that or at least it gives them the false impression of who God is. And so that makes them less likely to desire God, right? To 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 want to reject him because that is what they're seeing is a distorted picture of who he is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because you guys, are, I really love both of the points you guys have raised. Mm. Um, just wanted to just add something in there in that like this whole saga is all to do with worship, clearly. Yeah. Mm. Like this is all uh, on a, a, a battle of who owes, um, like who do we owe our allegiance to? And like it says here in verse 12, and he exercised all the authority of the first beast in its presence. It causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. So it's just this, this is what this problem is about. So it, it shows that sometime in the future, we're, we're going to have this whole issue of worship, um, you know, as, as the main issue. And I think I wanted to just point out that it's like, um, the way we worship God, God, we, God's, um, 
the, the way God receives worship is through, um, it's voluntary. Yeah. It's not something that God never compels us to worship him. It's mm-hmm. always born out of, you know, it, it's almost like God's, he tries to, to seduce, he woos us. He, 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 through his, you know, the incredible sacrifice, almost like the way, like a lover, you know, woos or, or seduces a, a partner through their through their incredible generosity, and mm-hmm. but that's what God God does. That's how He operates. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and and that kind of almost, if you like, God puts Himself almost in the back foot um, by doing that, mm-hmm. um, and that's incredible because He respects our freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Whereas, when it comes to the way the enemy does things, is that it's either that or, or, or really it's, it's through compulsion yeah uh, that he well he doesn't have a, that mm. he doesn't have the option of, mm. of yeah. wooing us in the yeah. way god does because yeah. he he doesn't have the perfect perfect beauty that god does to woo us with yeah so he has yeah. to woo us with something else yeah right? yeah and that's got to be with you know this seductive lie that you know uh we can have a certain level of power as you were saying luke mm. uh and a certain level of self you know, uh, esteem and 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 whatever, yeah. self, Pride, self. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that would that would sort of fill that emptiness. Um, can I just ask a question, Ori? Because I I feel like um, what you just said was really important, but we don't necessarily always understand what we're saying when we say it's about worship. So, what mm. is worship? Mm. I would say worship is. desire like uh, what's what i'm looking for Uh, adoring like giving adoration to and modeling yourself off something else so so appreciating there's the word i'm looking for appreciating the value of someone and therefore modeling yourself after them okay that's how i so appreciation of value Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, i i don't think i can improve on that definition to be honest right that's what i would is that the way you would define it, Dave? Well, I, I was, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. I, I'm glad you used the word value. Mm. That to me, that's the key, right? Yeah. Um, we worship God because we value Him, mm. right? Yeah. But we worship God because He values us. Yes. So By it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird relationship there, like mm. because we're self-centered. Sometimes we have to see Him value us before we can value Him. Yeah. But the good news is we love him because he did first love us, right? Mm. So, you know, God is is good before we were even inclined to be good. So that's great. So we can worship God even though we're broken. Um, But then the opposite of that, so the the alternative worship, I think um, the way I like to process that is Cain, which is interesting Mm. because Cain was given a mark, right? After he killed his brother and had a conversation with God, God marked him Mm. uh, for Cain's protection. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but that's a good purpose for that mark, right? Right. Yeah. Genesis but it is a mark four. nonetheless and it mm. does involve worship. Yes. So I think there's a connection between the Mark of the Beast and, and the story of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to be dogmatic about that, mm. but I think it's there. Mm. Um, but if I just read a little bit of that passage, I think we'll see the alternative form of worship, right? Because, yeah. yeah, worshiping God because we value Him is one mm. side of it. But what's the other side of it? So, you know, obviously, um, you know, Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3. There was, you know, some curses that resulted from that. Um, they did have kids. They had Cain. They had Abel. Uh, Abel, it says, was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Uh, and then it says in verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of, uh, of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of, the, of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell, right? So just before we go on further with the story, just 
backstory, right? Yeah. Adam and Eve, when they when they had sinned, mm. they went and they hid, right? And they said they hid because they were afraid, yeah. because they were naked, naked, right? Although they weren't naked because they cover themselves up, mm. right? But they were still naked because mm. they still felt ashamed, right? Yeah. They still had this self. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The self-consciousness. Self-consciousness. Yeah, thank you. They still had this self-consciousness, which was the re- result of um, their fall from uh, seeing God for who he was to seeing him now for who they thought he was. Um, but the covering that they made didn't cover. It didn't provide, right? And so God provided them with something else, right? And um, looking for that, 21 says, and also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them, right? Yep. And that covering worked. They no longer felt that, that nakedness that they felt before when they were covered in their fig leaves, right? Because the fig leaf, cover, fig leaf covering was a covering that they made, right? right. They were trying to, to cover their own self-consciousness with self, self. right? Doesn't work. Yeah. Whereas when God made them something to cover their, their nakedness, that was a gift from God, wasn't mm. it, right? Mm. That was God providing for their nakedness and giving them a, a, like a, a way out mm. of that self-conscious vulnerability, right? Mm. So that now that they could relate to God because there was, there was a medium in between, right? Mm. But what was required for the, the tunics of skin? A sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah. Right? Death of an animal. You're right. You know, Romans later on, Paul would say the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. Um, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Mm. The, the requirement for death was a requirement for them to, to, to feel uh, covered, for, them, for their self-consciousness to be healed, so to speak, right? For them to be reconciled with God in a sense. Yeah. And so when Cain came to the Lord with fruit, he was essentially coming with fig leaves, just mm. like Adam and Eve. He, he was coming with something that he had provided mm. as though that was going to cover his sin, right? Because he, he was coming as, with an offering to the Lord um, to present himself to the Lord as a, as a broken human being like we are. Mm. And he was saying, God, accept what I have done to, to uh, reconcile me to you for what I have done. Yeah. We can see the problem there, can't we? That's right. You know, it's both sides of it is what I have done, which is uh, insufficient yeah. for bringing about the, the reconciliation that was required. Mm-hmm. Whereas Abel, God respected Abel's offering mm. because Abel's offering was what God required, right? Yeah. The wages of sin is death, yes. right? And Abel was bringing, it said, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and he returned it to God. Mm. He said, God, you've given me this this animal mm. and I'm returning that to you mm. and thanking you for the sacrifice that you've given to me. That's right? worship, right? Right. And so the difference between the two elements of worship that we see between Cain and Abel is that Abel is coming and he's seeing the value that God has placed in him and he is valuing God in response, right? Mm. He's like, man, I am so grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus mm. in type. Yeah. Um, and I'm coming in the sacrifice of Jesus, right? And so he's feeling reconciled with God and God is, is respecting that offering because it's worth something. Yeah. It's able to cover his nakedness, mm. so to speak, to use the Genesis 3 analogy, right? Yeah. Whereas Cain, all he comes with is fig leaves, to use the Genesis 3 analogy, mm. which were insufficient yeah. for covering their nakedness, right? Mm. He's like, God, see what I have done. Mm. I'm bringing to you what I've done. It wasn't that God was unimpressed with, with, with what Cain brought. Mm. It was that what Cain brought was insufficient, mm. right? It was, was incapable mm. of, of meeting... Yeah, it could have been the best fruit and veggies in the world, but right. it wasn't... And, and it, what, it, 
it would have been it, darn good at that stage, right? Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so, but there was something by by nature it was not sufficient, right? Because yeah. it was what he had done, yes. right? His so, words. so the worship is either the value that God has in us. We are we are appreciating that value, as you said, mm-hmm. or we are saying to God, "Here's my value," mm-hmm. and we're bringing a a thing that we're saying to God, "This is why I'm valuable to you." Mm. Can you see the problem there? Yeah. We end up with appeasement theology. Right. right? So we're paying God off right. for letting us off. Right. Yeah. So when you said Which also earlier, makes God arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said earlier, Ori, that the mark of the beast is about worship, well, the, the, the whole of Revelation 13 you were saying, yeah. but we're specifically replying, applying that to the mark of the beast. Mm. You can see that, can't you, in, mm. in the whole Genesis 3 and 4 story. Yeah. You know? When we are given the, the mark of the beast, mm. we, are, we are accepting to worship God through our terms yeah. mm. rather than through his terms. But we haven't discussed what his terms are in Revelation yet. Yeah. So mm. should, should we go there? Yeah, let's do that. Mm. Let's do that. Shall I flip to the next chapter? Yeah. 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 I think while we're flipping there, I, th- I think that's, that's why that's part of the secret of, of the intoxicating beast power mm. is that it gives people that alternative to worship God in a different way. Mm. Like it gives people, I think well, one of the things that made the medieval church so so powerful is that it appealed to, to two camps. It appealed to people who genuinely wanted to worship God, but they just either didn't know better, but it also appealed to people who found a way to remember God by finding and by forgetting him. If that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. That's, that's really deep, actually. <laughs> so that's part of the thing that made it so powerful because it just appealed to both camps. Like literally, you can fit almost everyone yeah. under that into umbrella in, yeah. into yeah. that. So that's why it's. Yeah, I think that's part of that that Cain principle, if you right. like. Yeah, right. Which, as we said earlier, is the brokenness of humanity. Right. Cain. Mm-hmm. Cain was just a son of Adam. Yeah. Just like every other son of Adam since, right? Mm. And the Catholic Church just so happened to be a collection of sons of Adam, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? You know, yeah. I think I think we can't overemphasize that point, mm. right? It's the it's the human problem, right? Yeah. The sin problem, the human problem. Mm-hmm. That's what's you know going on here. And I just wanted to say, or I, I just had this like epiphany while you were talking just then. Um, the medieval church um, is the great, like the clearest example of what I was just saying, right? Because the way that they showed their value to God in the medieval system was by money, right? Yeah. They paid for their salvation. Indulgences. Yeah. Yeah. And for the salvation of their dead family members and their family members who weren't in the church. And, like you know, the the, the system said you can approach God by by virtue of the value that you have, Mm. right? Which is not the Bible message at all, is it? Yeah, it right? actually breaks the gospel down to a place where it's no longer functioning. Right, right? The, the entire thing no longer works. Right, and I just think, I just think, I know, I know there was a, a, a huge time period where the beast was inactive, and I know that you know the the Earth beast is pointing us back to the the sea beast, and mm. and there's this there's this interplay, and it's not necessarily going to work itself out exactly the same way as it did with the medieval church. Mm. Um, but I think there's a lesson there that gives us the principle of what the beast power is going to be doing at the end of time and what would the mark of the beast would like... Therefore do. Or, yeah, or, or what it would symbolize, probably a better way of saying it, right? Because it's yeah. a mark, so it's mm-hmm. symbolizing something that's going on yes. internally, you would expect, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we were going to Revelation 14, right? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I'm talking too much. Someone else want to talk? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this funny. is exciting stuff. It is mm-hmm. exciting stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I was just reading in Revelation... 
uh, well, 13 and 14, but um, just before I, I speak specifically about 14, we're talking about worship and how this whole passage is relevant, or worship is like the, this key theme that reappears. The word worship appears eight times in what we've read so far, like or, or at least the from thir- the, uh, chapter 13 to halfway through chapter 14, the word worship just goes over and over again. Every few verses, worship, 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 worship. It's describing, it's describing worship, false worship, and true worship is mm-hmm. what we're going to look at. But um, just so we're uh, clear on this, this uh, counterpart to it, let's have a look. Can, can I just point out, though, yeah. that if there's eight, seven of those are talking about worshiping the beast. Correct. Right? Yes. Because God only needs to ask once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah. That's a fair call. It's a fair call. So uh, let's... Because we're picking up in a section which is commonly called the three angels message, right? So this is... Um, I'll just read from verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or in the hand, he himself also shall, shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. Those who worship the beast, and worship again, and uh, and his image, and, who, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> Damn that third angel, man! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's some heavy stuff, eh? It it is. Just, every time I read it, I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's savage. One of the most brutal pieces of scripture. Yeah. Yes. In the Bible, savage. I would say. Good word. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting how it starts off. Like, so the first angel really it's it's a call to bring us back to creation. Like we've started in creation. We were looking yeah. at you know the the evolution of sin mm. and how that came about by when we were studying Genesis. Yeah. And here we're kind of um, getting that hint from that where we're calling us back to. To, to 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 worship. That's literally what we've been talking yep. about, mm-hmm. and we're worshiping him. Why are we worshiping him? Mm. Well, really, like we, we we're gonna tr- talk about two things that really why we should worship God. Mm. The first thing is because he owns us, he creates us, he yeah. deserves our worship, mm. and that's really if you want to apply it directly, that's what it's heading towards. Mm. Um, but also, like that's where we're gonna start thinking about um, the you know, the fourth commandment. Um, where we also look at, uh, where it also deals with creation. Yeah. We, we also need to think of the reason why we also worship is, is the redemptive uh, aspect of it as well. Like, yeah. you know, and we, we can see how the Sabbath plays a role in that, is that it, it reminds us of both of those things. Mm. It reminds us of the fact that God is our creator and our redeemer. Mm. You know? and, and there's so much connection you can draw from that. Mm. Um, one of the ways I like to, I guess, to, to draw from that redemptive aspect of it is is one of the, one of my favorite stories is, is the passover mm. um, like i really love how when, when we study the passover we see that when the israelites when god was calling the israelites out of egypt um pharaoh was upset because um, pharaoh told uh, moses look you're making um 
these people to Sabbath, basically. Mm. You're like, what's going on here? Yeah. And so God, obviously in his divine plan, he's like, look, you know, this is how I'm going to get you guys out. I want you guys to, you know, sacrifice a lamb and brush it, you know, paint it on the doorsteps. And then um, when the angel of death, so to speak, comes, um, those who have marked, mm. quote unquote, you know, their, their yeah. front, you know, their door posts, yeah. the door frames with this blood yeah. will be safe mm. from the angel of death. And and then from then on, they've commemorated that through. So there's like so many layers that we can go through that. And, yeah. and I think for, for just from that first angel message alone, um, I can see redemption and I can also see um, and the, the creation story as well. Yep. And what better way to encapsulate that mm. is one of those commandments that deals with that, that yeah. reminds us of, that should remind mm. us of both of those mm. two things. Well, that, that's a direct mm. quote, right? Mm. Like, I, I mean, this is one of the things, and we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack this more, and mm. it's probably no surprise to a lot of the people that are, are listening that uh, in right here in that text, right in verse 7, where it talks about, uh, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the heavens and the sea and the springs of water. Mm. That is a direct quote, or at least the last part of that is a direct quote from the fourth commandment mm. where, it, where it talks about the Sabbath and, mm. and how that is. And I mean, we find out in many places in scripture where the Sabbath is a, a sign or a symbol of our, our relationship to God. Mm. And so, yeah, that links in beautifully with what you were saying about Passover. I, I love that. I love that connection between the two where mm. Passover, the, the blood on the doorpost, the blood itself that was there, the fact mm. that they brushed blood on the doorpost did not save their lives. Mm. It was the fact that that was the symbol that they had faith that that God's protection would be over them, and mm. therefore it was. Therefore, mm. God did protect them. It was the lamb again. There was mm. the lamb again, exactly, mirroring what we saw back in in Genesis chapter three. Yep, so, mm. all through the Bible, all mate. through. But yes, <clears throat> mm. yeah, we did skip over the best bit though, mm-hmm. where at the beginning of chapter fourteen, it it discusses the mark that God places on His people, right? True. Yes, um, because. I mean, you guys have already alluded to it, or a particularly with the Passover story. Stole a bit of thunder there. <laughs> no, it's good, really good. Um, but uh, in in the first part of Revelation 14, it's it specifically says that that there's going to be a group of people who are going to be marked. It says that they'll have the Father's name written on their foreheads, right? Yes. Um, and I just wanted to point us back to um, I don't know whether it's the origin, but it's it's what I consider the origin of that particular phrase there, mm. um, and that's in Ezekiel chapter nine, um, because interestingly, th- this mark of the beast, um, it, it's really just a counterfeit of what God has done throughout history, mm-hmm. because as far as I'm aware, this is the first time that the beast, a, a beast power, is ever placing a mark. On anybody, right? Mm. Up until that point, it's always been God that's been marking people. Yeah, mm. you know, God marked Cain, as we discussed. God yeah. was marking the doorposts, or, or getting them to mark the doorposts, so mm. that the angel of death would pass over them. Mm. And here in Ezekiel nine, I mean, I just love the language here, right? So in Ezekiel nine, um, ch- chapter, uh, sorry, chapter nine, verse three onwards, it says, "Now the glory of the uh, the glory of the God of Israel had gone up uh, from the cherub, where it had." Where he'd, I need to start again. Now the glory of the now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple, <clears throat> and he called the man clothed with linen, who had the writer's inkhorn 
at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the, the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. Mm. To the others he said, In my hearing, Go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidservants and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. My sanctuary. Mm. So they began with the elders who, who were before the temple, etc., etc. But the language there that I think is really, really special is that it says there to put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all of the abominations that are done within the city, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So this is God's city, God's people, right? Yeah. Goes all the way back to the call of Abraham where he, he starts a new tribe, right? Yeah. This is God's tribe. This is the tribe that God has, has placed a special blessing on mm-hmm. in the same way that he placed a special blessing on the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. So these were to be God's marked people, right? Mm-hmm. They, were, they were his people. And the city of Jerusalem was to be God's city mm-hmm. through which the world would be evangelized. That was the plan, right? Yeah. Got close with Solomon, mm-hmm. but everywhere else failed miserably, yeah? Mm-hmm. So... But there's people, he says, in this particular setting, right? And yeah, it's a bit gory and a bit graphic, a bit like Revelation 14 was. Mm. Um, But the people that are spared, it says, were those who sighed and cried over the abominations that were happening within the city, right? Yes. What does that indicate about these people? About their hearts in particular? Mm. They've got the heart of God, right? Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say, they they actually understood what was going on. Right. right? They, They cared about the things that God cared about. Right. And also, just to uh, add some extra texture to that, the uh, when you say the they were sighing and crying for the wrongs that were going on in the city, it was, wasn't just in the city. The wrongs were actually happening in the temple, right? Right. So true. Yeah. True. Good so point. This is this is not just a, a, a civil problem or injustice. This is this is a worship problem. Right. Mm. So, right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But but it's all encompassing as well. Like oh, I is. agree it with is. the the yeah. specification that you made there. But yeah. I just want to say, let's not only narrow it to that. Let's narrow it to that. Mm-hmm. But let's also just keep in the back of our mind that God doesn't just care about the temple. Yes. And also, and well, for that to make sense, we also have to think about this is talking about the temple of, in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was considered to be the city of David right the city on the whole is it has spiritual significance yes but the and the center point of the city is the temple yeah so yeah I absolutely agree so it's it's all part of the one thing I guess what I'm pointing out is this is a spiritual problem yeah yeah definitely yeah. I agree and we see this as like I think we, we can also see that God also there's like a, this graded accountability mm. that's there as well. Like it's not, yeah. Like it's not yeah. like um, obviously God. He's starting at the, the sanctuary because they have more. They know more. They know oh, better. Yeah. You know they yeah. sh- they they should have. You know, like they should have been the one that were you know leading the front into a revival. Instead, yeah. they were leading people in into into disaster. Yeah. So yeah. so there's that also. I think that's really important to highlight it because, and I I think like it's very easy to to focus on you know people who you know worship a different way or whatever whereas actually god holds will hold us accountable for what we know and it's not you know we we, we should those who know more god expects more yeah i think do you know what's really interesting about this language though Hmm. the the sighing and crying after the abominations jerusalem Hmm. you know you just talked about the marks on the doorposts So there's two other places in Genesis and Exodus where there's sighing and crying going on. Do you know those two places? In Genesis and Exodus. One of them is the the people of Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. um, where they were they were crying out to the Lord because of the injustices that were going on in the city mm-hmm. and God delivered them. Yeah. 
by fire, but delivered them. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was actually just before the Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, in the oh, early parts of Exodus, it talks about the people crying out mm-hmm. for the injustices that were going on to, uh, in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. And God, again, delivered. And yes, there was some, some, some suffering and there was some people that were slain in that deliverance. But in both cases, in Sodom and Gomorrah, in Egypt, and here in Ezekiel's um, passage, um, God is bringing about deliverance to his people because people are sighing and crying over them, right? Mm. So, I mean, there's so many layers that I would love to discuss there. Mm. Just my little, my little. I don't have time to talk about this right now, but that's the importance of prayer right mm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wish I had time to, to riff on that, but we need to be praying for people who are suffering injustices because God answers prayer. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Anyway, but I think the interesting thing about this, right, Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, 2, etc., where it talks about the, yeah. se- the seal that God places on his people, that his name is written on their foreheads, mm-hmm. is almost a direct quote from Ezekiel 9, right? And in Ezekiel 9, the, the, it wasn't that he was writing his name on their foreheads specifically, mm-hmm. but he was writing a putting a mark on their foreheads because they already had his name written in their minds, if you like, because they were sighing and crying for the abominations that were done in the city, right? Mm. The reason that they were marked is because they had the heart of God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah, amen. Right? And so in Revelation 14... perfect sense. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going go, to interrupt you much. Go. But uh, it also makes perfect sense when it talks about the... Uh, back in Revelation, where it, in chapter 14, where it talks about the name of God being written on their forehead. Well, the name of God is synonymous with his character, which we see many, many places in the scriptures, especially when we see in his, um, God's interactions with Moses. And those character qualities of God being written in their in their forehead, that's like literally, like you were saying, having the heart of God. They yep. they see the world through their lens that God sees the, the world through yep. that. They have those character qualities baked into them. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So then when we go back to, to Revelation chapter 14 and we see the Father's name written on their foreheads and then he goes on and he says, um, these are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were the redeemed from among men. Redeemed. Didn't we just talk about that? Genesis, yeah, redeemed. Exodus. Yep. Redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. There's the Lamb again. Mm-hmm. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. The, the, the name of God was written on their foreheads because, again, the name of God was already written in their hearts. Yeah, yes. They were already... They had the heart of God. Yep. They were already redeemed, mm-hmm. it said, from among men. Yep. So the the quality of, of receiving the mark of God mm. is about having God's character implanted in us, right? Mm-hmm. By an identity transfer, right? We've yes. we've been children of Adam, we discussed that. We've been Cain. We have. We have been Cain. Yep. We've tried to offer our own, you know, offerings to, to gain a sense of value, to, to offer ourselves to God and say, I have something worthy, something to contribute here, yep. God. And he's like, Yeah, but it's not really that great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yep. I mean, trace the course it, of history and it, tell me it, if you think it's good. Yeah, it may be everything <laughs> you have, but that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean that's why you know Isaiah would say all of your righteousness are all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags yeah. you know or menstrual cloths if we want to go literal yeah. um, he's like that's the best we've got mm-hmm. you know Cain yeah that was good fruit and veg we discussed mm-hmm. that that was great fruit and veg mm-hmm. but that's the best we've got when we're offering our own right yeah and so 
um, yeah, yeah. We've, we've transferred so, from that identity yeah. of being, you know, sons of Adam mm. to sons of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Yes. And when we've made that transfer, we've been redeemed from among men. We've become without fault before the throne of God because we're identifying with Jesus. Yeah. And so the Father's name is written in our hearts mm-hmm. and in our minds, covenant language there, guys, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And so then God seals us, right? Mm-hmm. Symbolically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seals us. Mm-hmm. Because we already have the seal, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we've already accepted that that character transfer yeah. that you talked about before. As you were talking about that, sort of, it triggered that thought from uh, Revelation fourteen twelve, right, where it talks about here is the patience of the saints. So it's talking about the qualities of those saints. Mm. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Now, isn't that just the, a description of exactly what we were just talking about? The mm. fact that these are the people that that have that keep the commandments of God, so they are following what God's commands are, which are a reflection of his character, and they have the faith of Jesus. So they are like taking action, they're doing those things that Jesus would do, but they they have that faith, and you know, depending on how you read how you translate that, whether it's the faith of Jesus, but yeah, they, we have, it is, fa- it is. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> let's I'm, just say what we think. Yes, okay. well, yeah, but we have the faith of Jesus, right? Yeah. So that is the, the, I guess just AKA a different faith belonging to Jesus. Yes. Just to be even clearer. Yeah, I actually like that. <laughs> Not enough. our faith, right? Yeah. I, I just want to hone in on that. Keeping the commandments, um, part of, I think it's like, it's very easy to look at that and think, Oh no, it's like where they've managed to tick all the boxes consistently. Mm. I, I don't necessarily think my opinion, that's what that it's saying. Yeah. I think it, it's saying it's like what that mindset of cherishing God's commandments. It's like, mm. it's like, you know, when, when you keep something, it means like you're, you're, you're holding it close to your heart. You're, you're yep. guarding it yes. with, with, with due diligence. Yep. And I don't get necessarily that impression that it's like they've like, they've reached this height of perfection that you know, they can no longer make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And keeping God's commandments is the same as sighing and crying for the abominations in the city, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Right, because mm. what you're saying, cherishing the commandments, is just cherishing God. Yeah, because mm. God is just personified in the in, in the commandments, right? Yeah. Or the commandments are personified in God. Yeah, yeah. But it's the I guess, other way I guess that language got a bit weird, didn't it? <laughs> God is it, is is articulated in the yes. commandments. Maybe that would be a better way of saying it. But anyway, my point is. Um, by by guarding or holding on to the commandments as you were describing, Laura, and I wish we could see your your actions because that was really cool. You were like nursing them. Um, <laughs> yeah. By by doing that, what we're doing is we're 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 saying God's character. We want that. We want it to be fully in. We, we want to be fully invested in it, and we we want it to be ours, and we want to protect it from being being marred, being taken from us, etc. Right. Interesting point here. So Revelation fourteen isn't the first time God's seal is mentioned in Revelation. Revelation 14 is just a repetition from Revelation 7. Yep. In Revelation Correct. 7, it says, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the <coughs> earth, mm. that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or in, on any tree, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I just want you to just remember what Ori said earlier about the angel of death, right? Mm-hmm. The four angels holding back the yes, winds, the, right? The winds it says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Hmm. And I heard the number of the, the, those who were sealed, 144,000 of yep. all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed, etc. So, but that's so familiar. That, that's that Ezekiel it, passage over again, right? Yeah, but it's also hmm. the story... Of the angel of death, right? Yeah. The angel of death. Exodus. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. 
just let them paint the, d- the blood on the doorpost. Okay, now you can go through. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that just like the clearest reference ever? Mm. Like, I, th- I think, I think that the story has been the same all the way along, right? Mm. The seal of God is the blood of Jesus Christ applied yeah. to our lives, right? Yes. The seal that God is placing on us is mm. we're, we're choosing to identify mm. with Jesus. Yes. That is the seal of God. Mm. When we choose to become His, you know, we choose to become one of God's children, so to speak, um, then we're sealed. Yes. We're sealed. Um, and and th- this idea of a seal, by the way, because seeing as that's the language that was used in chapter 7, a seal on a document, the yes. seal protects that document, doesn't it? Yes. The seal keeps that document closed. The seal holds it together, right? Mm. And so when God places that seal on those people who are identifying with Jesus... Um, that's holding them, preserving them, you could say, when the angel of death passes through all the angels that have been given permission to hurt the earth and the sea. Anyway, yeah. interesting just connections that I thought I might just draw yeah, around. Yeah, just to add a few connections there. Like, we see this all the way even today where we no longer necessarily celebrate the Passover like they did back then, but we have another alternative where we call the communion service mm. where we view the the, the wine, um, the un, unadulterated wine, grape juice as the symbol of Jesus' sacrifice, that blood on the doorpost, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, um, going back to where we read in uh, Revelation 14 verse 6, we see a different kind of wine where it says, Babylon is fallen from that great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Mm. Like, I like to just hearken back to what Dave said about how you know, there's this constant con- um, contention in our hearts to want to do things our own way. To, and that's, that was that's, that secret to, that, to the papacy's power in the Dark Ages, yep. where they offered them an alternative. Yep. Here we see kind of a manifestation of this, where we see, hey, she's encouraging these nations to drink of her wine and we see this illicit relationship encapsulated as this fornication in fornication is that it's not a illicit relationship basically yeah. to put it simply and what is that illicit relationship is basically it's this instead of depending fully on jesus and his merits let's depend on this let's let's depend on force let's let's in a mixed church and state together mm-hmm. let's bring the political entities and church entities together and then compel people to worship the way we want them to worship yeah. and that's that that's that force that's that that's the ultimate way of you know us trying to do things in our own strength in our mm-hmm. own ability yeah. rather than rely on relying on jesus isn't it mm-hmm. that's what that's what we that's the height of that and it's all built on the foundation of a counterfeit grape juice, right? Hmm. Hmm. Which you said the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus, hmm. which we have said is the seal of God, hmm. right? Yep. So the the false grape juice or the false wine hmm. um, is a false gospel, yep. right? Hmm. It's a false way of being saved. Yeah, it's, it's a false mechanism by which we're trying to clothe ourselves, right? Hmm. We're, we're pulling out the fig leaves again. Yep. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. That's really important. Hmm. Yeah. And just to um, highlight that, because you know, we've been talking about these words, symbol, sign, like we've been talking about that over and over again. And in the early part of our discussion, we were focusing that around the um, the mark of the beast, because of course that's that's what we're we're looking at in the in the big picture. But but that's just a counterfeit anyway. Exactly. So that who cares being, about that? That being the counterfeit, <laughs> one of the one of the verses, and this verse has stuck in my head for a decade now. Like the first time I read this, it was like a light bulb went on because aren't you old? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, when I read this, I could have been twelve. 
<laughs> you were not though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, the the uh, text is back in Ezekiel actually, Ezekiel twenty verse twelve. It says, "Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them." Even though that uh, might just sound like a, a pretty straightforward passage, the thing that really jumped out at me when I read that the first time is that the Sabbath isn't the thing. The Sabbath is the sign of the thing. Yep. And the, the thing is actually the fact that it is that it is God who is sanctifying us, Amen. not us who are sanctifying ourselves. We're not, we're not doing the Cain thing. We're not bringing our own goods. Mm-hmm. It's act, the Sabbath itself, according to Scripture, according to God himself, through the prophet Ezekiel, is saying it is the... It is the sign that the evidence. It's evidence of righteousness by faith. Yeah, and yeah. and it always has been, hasn't it? Absolutely. This, that's that's what the Sabbath that's has the always been. But I guess the the, the reason that it's that like re- signpost, hello. <laughs> but the reason that that stood out to me so much is because I I just don't understand why people don't treat it that way. Yeah. Right. People treat it like uh, like you were saying before, right? Like that's a checklist, right? Mm. The checklist we've got to get through. We've got to make sure that we've done all these things so we can be one of those people that keep the commandments of God, have the faith of Jesus. No, no, no. That's not the point. The point is that we have faith. We have righteousness by faith, right? We have faith in in the fact that God is the one that is doing that work and doing the saving of us. And the Sabbath is just purely mm. Him symbolizing that. And and that is the I guess that's the point of the passage and it shouldn't be a surprise like you're saying, Dave, but for some reason, it is for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it is for me every Sabbath, right? Because yeah. my heart every day, every day wants yeah. to tell me i got to do something yes. to bring about my own salvation. Yeah. And the Sabbath tells me, no, you don't. God's already done that for you. Rest. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Just chill yeah. and, and, and just embrace the fact that you are mm. a saved human being, mm-hmm. that you have, been, you have been bought back, you've been yes. adopted. Yes. You don't need mm. to work on that, right? Mm. The papers are already signed. Yeah. Permissions granted. Mm-hmm. You know, just be. Yes. I mean, what a message, man. Yeah. And I just wanted to point out. It's funny you went there because I was going to Romans four eleven, which is the the, the other sign or seal yep. of the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, that indicated the exact same thing and has been has been messed up in the exact same way. Mm. And that was circumcision, circumcision, right? Yeah. Which was given to Abraham mm. as a very distinct message to say. I've got this <laughs> because Abraham seemed to think he had it yeah. <laughs> and God needed to remind him, this you has never been it. your plan, bud. You know, <laughs> yeah. this has never been your job. Yeah. This was my job. Mm-hmm. You were just to trust, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Just trust in the process. That's and Paul, in talking about this, he says um, that Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though, oh, that's though, good language. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness may be imputed to them also. Preach. I mean, go Paul, right? Yeah, go Paul. Go Paul. Yeah. He just pulls the Old Testament you know, together there in that one verse and he's like, there it is. That's the gospel. Mm -hmm. The gospel is that you are sealed. You are sealed with a sign that says God has redeemed you before you even knew it. Mm. (laughs) Oh, what a message, right? And and so the counterfeit to that, the mark of the beast is Mm. saying, you know, circumcision is something that you need to do. Yeah. To get to gain value with God, and right? Because say, He doesn't value you unless you do it. And dare I say, <laughs> you can apply that to anything. Exactly. You could apply that to the Sabbath, which is the very sign of the the opposite thing. Yeah. 
you could apply it the same way there. You could apply that to literally any activity that recommends you to God. Yeah. Right? So, a um, couple of other thoughts. I, I don't know. We've been going forever and that's okay. I'm, I'm having a blast. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love studying the Bible. Anyway, yeah. uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and chapter 4, Paul says yeah. that we are sealed yep. with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So, in Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, In him you also trusted, that is Jesus, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, so this is this righteousness by faith, you've mm-hmm. trusted in him and his righteousness has been granted to you, mm-hmm. um, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, there is so much good stuff in there. <laughs> do I do it? Do I do it? Do I do it? Just a little tidbit. Just yeah. a little tidbit. It says that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of inheritance, right? Mm. That word guarantee, you could translate that down deposit. payment. Yeah, yeah, deposit. So, Jesus said, it's mm. to your benefit that I leave, that I leave now mm. and that I, I give you my helper instead, right? Yeah. Because he said, I still have to go and prepare a place for you, right? so that we might be able to dwell with him mm-hmm. where he is in the heavenly sanctuary with his father, right? Yeah. His work that he had to go and do, now I'm, now I'm getting off topic. <laughs> his work that he had to go and do in the heavenly sanctuary was that work of the priest and the high priestly ministry that he had to fulfill yeah. on our behalf, right? He had to mediate on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, but while he did that, as a show of good faith, he's like, hey, I'm going to leave the other person of the Godhead, yeah. the one who's like, omnipresent mm-hmm. who can be with you all simultaneously which is something I can't do yeah. um, I'm going to leave him as my down payment to show you mm-hmm. that I am redeeming you right mm-hmm. I have redeemed you and I am redeeming you right that's justification and sanctification and and Paul says that when we believe and trust in Jesus and we've been redeemed by that that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise mm-hmm. so you remember how we talked about the seal being that protective envelope right that thing that holds the redemption together, so to speak. So it's almost like we're sealed by the blood of the Lamb, mm-hmm. right? Like we're, we're, we're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We're, we're, we're sealed in God's character at that moment. And then the Holy Spirit just comes and He's just like, you know, presses that, that seal on the envelope and it's like, all right, now we're going to keep you that way, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to work with you and we're going to produce this great fruit in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And that is to say the Father's name is going to be written on your forehead, And then that's going to flow out of your life, right? And so then in chapter 4, verse 30, he says it again. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Mm. Sealed for the day of redemption. Mm. So we've already been redeemed, have we not? Yes, Mm -hmm. right. sure. Before we've received the seal of the Holy Spirit, we've Uh already been redeemed, right? We've been redeemed by the blood, but we're sealed for the day of redemption. So what day of redemption might that be? You remember he was a down po- down payment, right? Mm-hmm. So this is when Jesus comes back. He's like, yes. "I'll take my down payment back because mm-hmm. you can have free access now." Yes. How good? Wow. How that's good? So cool. That's, that's just, what that's the really seal cool. of God is all about, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love it. Mm. Love it, <sighs> man. Why don't Why don't we frame it that way? I, I I know I keep coming back to that, but why Why is this such a hard thing for people to? Accept. I know, right? And and, mm. and I'm going to be really, really um, transparent for a second here and say that mm. even in the denomination that I belong to, mm. we get this wrong most of the time, man. The way yeah. that we frame the seal of God, yeah. we say the seal of God is the Sabbath. Mm. No, it's not. Mm. As you indicated before, no, it's not. It's bigger than that. The Sabbath is a sign. Yeah. That we've been sealed. (laughs) So, the Sabbath isn't the seal. The Sabbath just points us to the seal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's a component of this greater picture. Absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. But God, the character of God, 
you taking that into your heart and life mm -hmm. that is the seal yes. um, that's what this is all about and so the mark of the beast would have to be the opposite of that wouldn't it the yeah. counterfeit would have to be the opposite of that mm -hmm. the mark of the beast then would have to be you have invested in this system mm -hmm. this false system this yeah. counterfeit system mm -hmm. and you have partaken of the identity of that system mm -hmm. and so you've been marked with the identity mm -hmm. on the forehead or on the hand mm -hmm. of that system yeah. right you're a partaker mm -hmm. in the identity of that system that's right and so if that if the the character of god and all of those things that we were looking at before coming to god on the right terms righteous by faith all those good things if that is the the substance of the seal of god well then the, the opposition to that is going to be the cain experience yeah right? you know yeah. trusting in our own works to whatever degree yeah. whatever that may look like the the, the blood of the the grape rather than the <laughs> yeah. blood of the lamb. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, mm. Cain, Cain was wiping something on his doorposts to mm. speak figuratively. Yeah. It just wasn't blood, yes. you know? It was grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> it was papaya. It was whatever you want. You watermelon. <laughs> watermelon. Watermelon. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> he had it all, right? He had yeah. it all. It was fantastic, by the way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Did we mention that? It was fantastic. Yeah. We would have valued it. Mm. But, but, but it wasn't valuable in the sense that it was required to be valuable yeah, in. Yeah, but it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats, right? I mean, like, yeah. you, you said it. Yeah. I think it comes from... I can't believe I didn't go to Hebrews. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it comes from a place of pride. Mm. I think that's why a lot of people struggle with that. Because it's, for them, it's, it's too easy. Hmm. It's too easy to be, like, to be true. It's like, surely I have to do something yes. for my own salvation. Surely like, I have a part to play. Otherwise, you know, like that's, that's what our, our world and, and society is built on. Hmm. You know, you, 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 you get what you give for your, yeah. you know, that kind of attitude. So that kind of, this, this, this generosity, this, this flamboyance of a gift that, we, that we've been given, it just seems too, hmm. too good to be true. And I think some people hmm. just don't have the faith or also they're too prideful to accept that, hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It does seem too good to be true, mm. it, right? Yeah. Like it goes against every grain of our nature yeah. to believe it. Mm. Well, we're conditioned from day one, right? That life is performance-based. Yeah. You, you get out what you put in, you know, yeah. you earn what you get. That's, that's what we hear. That's what we yeah. learn. Which, is, which, by the way, is the exact reason why it's the only way mm. we can be saved, right? Mm. Because we can't, we can't muster up enough courage to believe the message. Yeah. We have to just accept that, yeah. that identity yeah. and well, become a son of God even, to believe it. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taste and see, right? Uh, but that, what you, even one of the things that you were saying before, Dave, about the... Uh, hang on, my, my brain just froze on me. Um, oh, yeah, this is what we were talking about before, about uh, the fact that it's, it's not even our faith, right? Oh, it doesn't it, belong to us. It's right, it doesn't belong to us. It's, it's the faith of Christ. Yep. And even that understanding, I remember so many times me consciously trying to muster up enough faith in order to oh, be yeah. saved. Oh, yeah. And in hindsight, that's so stupid. You know, like, how do you, how do you measure that? You know, like, is it that four and a half mustard seeds worth of faith? You know, like, how, what index would you use? There's no way of even knowing that. We need an external source, right? We need yeah. Christ to be in that role. Uh, anyway, anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, um, I don't know how much longer you want to go for, but I've got a couple more verses. So yeah, yeah, sure. Let's, let's if, do. if you will allow me. Yeah. Um, 2 Timothy chapter mm -hmm. 2, excuse me, verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I think that's a really interesting definition here, right? It says, first of all, it says the solid foundation of God stands. So... 
the foundation so what, what of verse God. Was this again? Second Timothy chapter two verse nineteen. Sure. The foundation of God, right? God's foundation. If we're thinking literally mm. in in the vision language that we have received from Revelation, would be the throne, mm-hmm. right? The throne representing his government, his government based on his character, right? So the solid foundation of God ultimately is who he is as a person, right? Mm-hmm. That's what God stands upon. That's what everything that he has said stands upon. That's what that is the gospel, mm-hmm. right? The solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So there's this there's this relationship that you spoke of before when you were talking about the Sabbath seal, Luke, or the Sabbath sign, um, and that was this relationship of of God and His people being intimate, being being companions, being together, right? And I, I mentioned earlier when we, we were talking about that that there's a reference there to covenant, mm. uh, which is a super super strong theme throughout all of Scripture, yeah. which is basically the same thing we've been talking about tonight, anyway. Yes. Um, and so when it says the Lord knows those that are his, in covenant language, that would be to say, um, I will be your God and you will be my people, right? Mm. That was one of the markers of the, of the new covenant. Mm. Um, I will be your God and you will be my people. Yeah. And we see that in Revelation, so it's no, no mystery that, mm. that that would be coming up. And so when it says that the seal of the solid foundation of God is that the Lord knows those that are his, mm. what do you think that's a reference back to? I'm, I'm, I'm getting Genesis vibes. Are you getting Genesis vibes? The Lord knows those that are his. How would he know that? God created us. He said, let us make man. In our own image. Right. Yeah. So God made man to represent him, mm-hmm. right? To be a mirror image of what God looks like, right? Mm. And we've failed miserably at that, right? But the Lord knows those that are his. Why? Because mm. he sees himself in them. Yeah. Yeah. He sees a reflection of who he is, mm-hmm. marred though it be, mm-hmm. in us, right? And so when we choose to identify with Jesus, when we choose to, to become a son of God mm-hmm. and represent Jesus, mm-hmm. and represent God, yeah. he sees a reflection of himself. Mm-hmm. And so he knows those that are his, right? Yeah. And part of that is going back to what you said earlier about this commandment element, or right? And it says, um, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, right? You can't name the name of Christ as in identify with Jesus yes. and not depart with iniquity. It's an impossibility, yeah. right? To, to, to be identifying with Jesus mm. means to be identifying with Jesus, yes. not iniquity, because mm-hmm. Jesus didn't identify with iniquity. Yeah, it's just like one of those logical um, impossibilities, right? A square circle or whatever it is, because by definition, it's not no longer that thing. Right. Yeah. So let's invert this, mm-hmm. right? Um, the crumbly foundation of the devil stands, having this seal. Yeah. Um, that everyone who names the name of the beast mm-hmm. will live in iniquity, yeah. right? Yeah. So you either identify with, with the beast and with iniquity mm-hmm. or you identify with Christ and without iniquity, mm. right? There's only two ways that you can choose to identify in this final conflict. Mm. And there only ever was, right? Cain and Abel. Yeah. Adam and Eve pre-fall, Adam and Eve post-fall. It's it's always been the same, right? Yeah. And so the the question is, do we choose to identify with God mm. and have his seal placed upon us mm. so that we would be redeemed? Yeah. Right? As in that final redemption mm. where we are taken back to be with him? Or do we choose to identify with his beast power, which is just a manifestation of our own evil self, mm. right? So do we choose to identify with the first Adam or the second Adam? Yeah. Is is essentially the question, right? Isn't that interesting? It's all like it it's all so, points back to the same thing. Yeah, I was gonna say it's so deeply connected that when we when when you examine scripture like this, we actually 
it simplifies, right? Like I mean, the Bible can seem to be endlessly deep, and it is. But if you dig deep enough, you keep coming back to the same two or three themes over and over and over again. It's like we didn't, you know, God's saying you didn't get it the first 248 <laughs> times. So we're going to go through this again. You know, it, it's not that he doesn't, it's not that he's hiding anything from us, but he just keeps revealing himself over and over and over again. So we have the more and more opportunities to be able to have that experience and to be able to have that, that saving knowledge, to have the experience and identify with the second Adam. And just to follow that theme of the Lord knows those that are his, yeah. uh, I just want to point something out, clarify something that I think we sometimes get wrong when we present the mark of the beast, right? Mm-hmm. That is we overemphasize the particular um, system mm-hmm. that the prophecy identifies. And as we were saying earlier, the system is really just us, right? Yeah. It's just us. It's a, it's a corporation yeah. of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in John chapter 10, Jesus used the same language that we just read from Timothy. Mm. The Lord knows those that he hears. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by them. Mm. Right? As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Right? Mm. So there's this, there's this knowledge, there's this intimacy between mm. Jesus and his sheep, yeah. Jesus and the father and therefore the father and Jesus and the sheep. Right? Mm. There's this collection that yeah. they are together. They are one. They are atoned right Mm. and then he says in verse 16 and other sheep have i which are not of this fold Mm. them also i must bring and they will hear my voice and they will be one flock and one shepherd Mm. isn't that beautiful yeah it's beautiful language so let's Mm. not isolate anyone Mm. that's part of any system and say you're condemned to have the mark of the beast because of where you are because Jesus knows the sheep that are his and he's going to be calling them. Hmm. He's going to be calling them. And that's a part of that final message, right? Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And and that, as we see even later in in Revelation, right? Come out of her, my people. God has his people in those places. And if we, you know, we can't put limits on that. Right. We expect that he's going to call them out. When the time is right, his time, not our time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and whatever this physical identification is that the mark of the beast has um, because it's going to somehow involve this buying and selling and, and not being able to do that, right? So, there's mm. going to somehow be some physical element to this mark of the beast. Well, mm. not physical in the sense that we te- technically tend to think of it necessarily, mm. but there's going to be some way of knowing, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, I've just lost my train of thought. What I was trying to say is um, that particular... Uh, at that time where that mark has been has been placed upon those people, um, oh, I, took, I completely lost my train of thought there. I'm going to have to snip all of that. What's to do with the other sheep in this fold? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Why, why are you thinking about that? Like, I thought it was really intriguing just looking at that verse again in Second Timothy where it says, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I'm getting a lot of like Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife, vibes from that way, that act mm. of fleeing, you know, that act of just making that intentional effort of fleeing from sin mm-hmm. and it's fleeing from fornication, so to speak, that mm. Revelation talks about. Mm-hmm. And here it's like this, this, this constant, there's this constant interplay of, 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 this, of the woman, you know, being, being having this... Um, I guess what how seductive element throughout history, and we see this in in prophecies, when Revelation, where you know we know that the woman symbolizes the church, and you know God's encouraging us not to have, not to fornicate with 
the way the world does things. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, and I think that just that verse just reminded me of that, how God was calling us to something higher. Mm-hmm. It's calling us uh, away from the way the, the world perceives things and, and instead it wants us to, to just to accept the simplicity of, of what Jesus has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and in case we um, mix the false wine of Babylon with... The, the blood of Jesus um, that we've been talking about tonight. When thinking about that, mm. James chapter 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses, mm. do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Mm. But, and this is a really important but, but he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Sorry. Yeah, no, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Mm-hmm. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> mm. I mean, I'm seeing so many references to what we've already said in that last verse. But what I was really getting at there is sometimes we focus on the resist the devil and he will flee from you part, right? Mm. Or the fleeing from from Potiphar's uh, wife situation of Joseph. And neither of those two things are wrong, right? Mm. But they need to be placed in their proper order. Mm. And that is God gives more grace, first step. Mm. We receive God's grace firstly before Mm. we do anything, right? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we recognize that we have this problem, that Mm. we are captive to our tendencies and we Mm. say to God, please deliver me from Mm. these tendencies that I have towards sin, Mm. uh, God gives grace, so therefore, when we submit to God, we can resist the devil mm. and he will flee from us because we've already received the grace of God. And so the devil has no power, yeah. right? When we've received the grace of God, the devil has no power over us. Mm. Um, and so that's when you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Mm. I don't want to get mixed up in the rest of that language because it's just going to pull me away to more to preaching. Go other, other places, yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. too nice. It's enticing me. So, <laughs> yeah, but I just, I just think that's really important, you know. Yeah. Grace is the foundation of victory over sin, right? Yeah. Um, and and victory over sin That's is important. Yeah. It's important, and it is it is part of this message. You know, that that when we are sealed, we are sealed for victory, right? Mm. Yep. <laughs> but grace is the foundation of that victory. Yeah, we, we still need to cash into that grace as well. We still need to, you know, make decisive steps to allow that grace to take its effect like you know mm. like if we like if i just went sunbathing and just be like you know grace like just you know take it like we still need to play a part i guess that's what i'm saying as well i think that's like that's important yeah because i think it's not something that it's necessarily will be automatic just for us just sitting on our laurels like but i think if we if we make those steps towards god like we draw near to him god draws you know, near to us as well but he, of course God takes us you know he, he, he makes the first step <laughs> but we still need to reciprocate yeah, that definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. he initiates yeah. but he waits yeah. right yeah. I stand at the door and I knock right he initiates but he also waits for us to take responsibility like you're saying right mm. because the grace has been given but until we make it our own because, until we identify with Jesus mm. Jesus is just a saviour right he's not my saviour yeah. until I identify with him yeah mm. so I agree definitely mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you guys want it, have anything specific that needs to be said before we wrap up this ridiculously long episode that's been worth every minute? Um, no, just 
I don't. I, this is not really relevant to the podcast at all, but I just wanted to express my appreciation for this time um, and this message, you know, like it's so important to me um, that we understand this, that I understand this on a day-to-day basis, you know, because when, when I don't I d- choose to identify with God every day, I am choosing to identify with the enemy. Um, and I see the effects of that on my life um, from a day-to-day basis. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just wanted to just say thanks, God, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the blood on the doorposts, um, for, for the promise of, you know, like a, an incredible down payment. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually a deposit is pretty minimal, but the Holy Spirit isn't minimal at all. <laughs> you know, like that's a massive promise that he's left, yeah. you know, in, in the Holy Spirit. So God has done everything he possibly could to save us. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to fear the mark of the beast yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. We just have to place ourselves in the position, like what I was saying, for God to seal us. You know? mm-hmm. Just, just to, just to prep ourselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like to add, like it really is. You know, if you're, if, if those out there are thinking, man, this is too good to be true, mm-hmm. it really is that easy. Yeah. To be honest, like it's, it's as easy as, as as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Like literally, mm-hmm. all you have to do is just accept it. You know, you, you, we didn't have any. You don't have anything to do with that down payment. Mm. Just, just accept it humbly, mm. and and trust in God with the process. Even if you know you may not necessarily see the results straight away. Yeah, yeah just trust God. You know. Can I read one more verse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, go for it. I was just about to wrap it, but you, you're ready. Go for it. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to et- to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. Hmm. He was sealed first. Yeah. Well, let's leave that as our, our our closing text. Thank you so much for writing out the episode with us. It's been it's been a blast. And uh, if you've enjoyed this format, let us know. We'd love to do more of this, especially if you guys are keen for it too. So uh, let us know. And if you've enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Because if you enjoyed it, I'm sure there's at least one other person in your contacts who will too. So we look forward to catching you guys next week. Until then, God bless. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mail mailing list so i would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that i'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating and ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast and so if you'd like to help us do that jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards but at different levels there are different benefits different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours if you can't afford that 
we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.